0: Welcome to Transformation Church RVA. This sermon is a part of our series, Don't Go to Church. In this series, we are peeling back what it means to be the church with a capital C, reaching out to and sharing the love of Jesus with our community. Rather than settling for being on the sidelines and not actively living out our faith, we're asking what it looks like to do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with God. We are in week number two, everybody say two, we're in week number two of our series called Don't Go to Church, and uh, you've obviously already disobeyed me, you've already disobeyed by coming, what we're talking about is don't go to church, be the church, everybody say be, Uh, very few people have a problem going to church. A lot of people have a problem being the church. Coming this morning um, is, by most accounts, not a hard thing for you to do. But when you leave here and you show up at your workplace on Monday with a bunch of heathens, maybe you don't even make it to work. You just get home from church to a bunch of heathens. Oh, that's just me? Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. I'm not talking about you. My wife, huh? Oh, that's right. I live with my in laws. Um, <laughs> see? All right. I'm going home. All right. <laughs> if I have one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My father in law said he'll just lock the door. That's okay. That's okay. I'll stop cutting the grass. <laughs> That's it. He does. He does. Now, life can be tough to be a Christian in. A Christ follower. A true Christ follower. In fact, last week, over the four weeks that we're talking about this, what we're finding is that um, some ways we can be the church. And last week, we looked at Luke. We were in Luke last week. Luke chapter 10. And we were talking about um, uh, the Good Samaritan. And we'd all heard that story before, right? Many of us. Some of us had not. But we talked about the fact that in the story of the Good Samaritan, one of the main things we talked about is that the Good Samaritan was not a Christian. In fact, what was being played out in this story is that some non-Christians look more Christian than Christians, Did you, have you ever seen that? I've seen some people who don't go to church, and you just let me know if I need to switch out. What do you think? Uh, Yeah, I know, I'm in that place too. Um, uh, I know many people who have never stepped door in a church, but are more compassionate um, than some of you. I'm kidding. You being the church, okay? Some of y'all are like, oh, I'm not coming back here. It's too mean. Um. Well, yeah Some, and, and so last week the whole point was this in order to be the church we have got to be people of compassion I'm not talking about just being nice I'm talking about gospel compassion. What does that look like? That is compa- undeserved compassion. That is compassion that is different from the world's. So you see, co- the world will give compassion based on how it will make them feel, okay? Compassion is very, uh, there's, there's certain things you gotta do to, to receive compassion in the world. The gospel should birth in us a compassion that is different and goes beyond. Sometimes it bothers me that we as the church have not been more involved and more vocal. When we see injustice, when we see people around us that are hurting, maybe even because of decisions they've made. Miss Gladys Wade. Hey, lady, look at you. I'm sorry, people at this is... This is the kind of church we're in. We're we're not some monstrous church. I can name all of you this morning. That should scare all of you to death. Uh huh. It should be bizarre. Everybody say bizarre. Your compassion should be bizarre and without parameters. I saw, I've seen Christians who withhold their compassion like it's some type of reward you give to people when Christ showered his compassion on you without regard for your wickedness. Some of you forgot how wicked your heart is. But I'm not going to preach last week's sermon again despite the fact that some of you could probably use it because you already forgot Oh, I see you on Facebook. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah, I see you on Facebook. We'll preach all day about abortion. Preach all day about abortion, but then we'll forget the lives of our black brothers and sisters. We'll forget the lives of the single mom who needs help. We'll, We'll forget all kinds of other lives. Because As humans, we are flawed. You are flawed. And so today, the number one thing that differentiates just going to church from being the church is you should have peculiar, bizarre, over-the-top compassion. And that brings us to today. Luke chapter 4, we're going to read 14 through 21. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. If you're You didn't listen to me the first time. And then um, in the back of the pew in front of you is a Bible. So if you don't have one, turn in it. Turn in it. And if you don't have one at home, that's our gift to you. Luke chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 14. Then Jesus returned to Galilee filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Reports about him spread quickly through the whole region. He taught regularly in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. The scroll of Isaiah, the prophet, was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll, uh, he unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. Verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. He rolled up the scroll, he handed it back to the attendant, and sat down. All eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently. Then he began to speak to them. The scripture you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day. May God bless the reading of his word. Let me give you some background real quick where, where we're at in the passage. So Jesus is born in Luke 2. That's the, that's the account everybody's read. You read it all at Christmas. You know, grandma gets the book. She reads this, the long passage. This is um, Luke chapter 2. Then you move on. Jesus is baptized. He finds John the Baptist. He gets baptized. Um, and being full of the Spirit, he goes into the wilderness for 40 days. And he's tempted for 40 days. Now, In Luke, we don't get to see the whole 40 days. I don't know if you know this or not. But in Luke, the only part of the 40 days we get to see is the end. The very end. And that was a bad, bad moment there. We can see where Jesus is tempted. Um, And and this goes to say to, to many of us, when the scripture says to us that he was tempted just as we are, and yet without sin, and that we have a sympathetic high priest. This means Jesus gets it. He gets what it's like to be tempted. In our text today, actually, between, so between verses 13 and 14, several months occur. Here. So at the end of 13, we see uh, when the devil had finished tempting Jesus, he left until the next opportunity came. Um, you know, the devil's in the tempting business. Um, I'm afraid that many times, for a lot of us, that temptation is way more subtle and you don't know it. You're tempted Through the things you see, the things you hear, the groups of people you're around, the devil is in the tempting business. So we see the devil leave in 13, and then there are several months between 13 and 14. You know what happens in those months? Um, In those months, uh, Jesus performs his first miracle. He he converts the water into wine in Cana. He also uh, cleanses the temple. In Jerusalem, he uh, also encounters Nicodemus. Have you ever heard this story? It's a really good story. We don't have time to tell it today. But Nicodemus wants to know how to be born again. Jesus tells him. This all happened between 13 and 14. So when the text begins, then Jesus returned to Galilee, filled with the Spirit's power, and then it says, reports about him spread quickly through the region. This is why. This guy turns water into wine. This guy um, flipped over the tables at the temple. And this guy talks crazy. He's talking some crazy talk. So rumor has spread. And you can almost, uh, one, I I noticed he made it, uh, he taught uh, regularly in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. Um, When he showed up at church, which was custom for him we see in the text it was normal for him to go to church as was custom i i don't know if you know where i'm going here but you should make a regular habit of going to church if for no other reason than jesus did the son of the most high god thought it was important to go to church on sunday and you think uh eh, it's optional it is not optional. You should go to church. I'm glad you're here. You look good. Turn to the person next to you and say, you look okay. <laughs> what? <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah, some of that might not have been Christ-like, okay? <laughs> easy. Take it easy. Okay. So he came to Nazareth, his boyhood home, and he went as usual to the Sabbath and stood up to read the scripture. So this particular time, he was given the job of reading the scripture, and he was handed a scroll. So it wasn't in Bible form then; it was it was a rolled up scroll. He unrolls it, he finds this particular text in Isaiah, Isaiah sixty-one, verses one and two, and he reads this text. Um, and as he's coming to church this day, I, I want to notate one particular thing. He will enter church this day, and they were all, as this text says, he was being praised by everyone. And when he leaves church, he will be hated by everyone. So, what he says is powerful. Um, So, he reads this text from uh, Isaiah 61. And if you want, you can turn there. I might turn there because we're going to walk through uh, these first couple verses um, in Isaiah. Because I want you to see what he says Isaiah 61. There it is, okay? What we witness here in Luke chapter four is Jesus' first sermon. It's his first sermon. This is the first time he's preached. We weren't recording things back when I preached my first sermon, and I'm glad because it was awful. I remember speaking of God's love, and I remember being in middle school Um, the church we were in was actually in a triple-wide trailer. If you didn't know they made them that big, they make them that big. Um, And look, growing up in Charles City County, I only had a double-wide, okay? So when we went to church, I was like, man, look at all the space around here. Um, And I remember preaching my first sermon, and it was nowhere near this good. Obviously, I'm not the son of God, but um, which seems like it should be an obvious statement. Uh, But, Jesus is preaching his first sermon, and he quotes scripture where it says, um, and he gives his mission statement, and this is where we get Jesus' mission statement for his whole ministry. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me. That's verse one. To bring what? The very first thing. Why? Why is the Holy Spirit Anointed him to do something to bring good news to the poor. So I want you to gauge your life mission against the life mission of Jesus. And what's priority to you? Because many of you are living lives uh, as Christians. Now, look, if you're not a Christian today and you don't subscribe to Jesus uh, uh, you're like, you know, I've tried that, didn't work out. Well, you didn't really try it, then. I can, I can promise you, Jesus never fails. Only we do. Um, so, if Jesus didn't work out the first time, it wasn't him; it was you. Um, I hope that wasn't too blunt. But the uh, mission of our lives, and we said this last week, you will never behave differently than you believe you will never behave differently than you believe so what you believe about your life's mission will reveal what you, how you behave will reveal what you believe about what your life should be about and this is what jesus said he said for the lord has anointed me and this is a prophecy about the messiah to bring good news to the poor the very first thing jesus was about was the poor and the reason he quotes this text, because he says it right at the very end of our text in 21, he says, I am the Messiah. This is what he's saying. I just read the text. is crazy. He reads a prophet and becomes a prophet all at the same time. He's prophesying about himself. And so he goes and he tells, hey, I am the Messiah, and here's what I'm here to do. I'm here to preach good news to the poor. And this is why that was countercultural. And what you will notice about Christians, Christians should be countercultural. You shouldn't blend in. There should be something different about you. And this is the reason many have issues with Christians, because you look the same. You look the same. This would have been a game changer because in this time, and it's even trickled through to today, there is a, train, there is a teaching that says that God's, what follows God's favor is richness. And what father, follows God's judgment is poor. Poor. So in this day, when he says he's come with good news for the poor, that is a big deal because there could be nothing farther from the truth. Check my bank account. (laughs) It's not funny. It really isn't. People thought in the days Jesus was here upon the earth, That if you had money, you were closer to Jesus. But God brought in Jesus good news for the poor. Um, He said many things about the poor. He said, blessed are the poor, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You remember that? Jesus encouraged ministry to the poor. Uh, Jesus said uh, about the poor widow who threw two mites into the offering plate that she had given the most. Because she gave her all. You remember a couple weeks ago we talked about John the Baptist having doubts? And what did Jesus tell him to tell, tell his disciples to tell John? Hey, let John know that we're preaching to the poor. Maybe today you feel like, because of whatever situation you're in, that the gospel cannot reach you, The very first thing on Jesus' mission says that he reaches everyone, even the poor. He's good news to the poor. Number two, it says, uh, Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. Anybody seen a broken heart lately? Yeah, all over. Maybe you today find yourself with a broken heart. The Greek word brokenhearted here literally means broken into pieces feeling broken. And Jesus came with good news for the poor, and he has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted. Jesus is saying that he's here for these people. He's not here for everybody who's got it right or thinks they've got it right. And this could also be said that you are more uh, poor and broken than you think. A lot of people think once you get a lot of money in your bank account. Look, money is a tool. And look, money can make it easy. A lot of things. A lot of things easy. But money will never be a signifier of your relationship with God. This is why Paul said, I've learned to be content in all seasons, and all things, I've learned to be content when I'm poor, when I'm rich, when I'm healthy, when I'm sick. I've learned to be content. Look at number three. So um, he's come to bring good news to the poor. So this is his mission statement. Um, he's come to comfort the brokenhearted. How many poor people are you ministering to? Oh, how many brokenhearted people have you comforted? Or is that somebody else's job? We should be peculiar, right? Look at the next thing. And to proclaim the captives will be released. Now, um, this did not mean that Jesus was going to let everybody out of prison. But if you were enslaved to sin if you are uh, in addicted to drugs or alcohol or any other thing that Satan can grasp and get you with, hey, this is good news for you. This is good news for you. He offers freedom. He offers freedom. In John chapter 8, uh, he said, and You shall know the truth, and the truth will what? He also said, therefore, if the Son makes you free, you are free indeed. There is freedom in Christ. Do you know what this means? Hey, do you know what this means? This means that you don't have to keep living the way you're living. Some of you think you're trapped, like you're just stuck with it. Let me tell you something there is freedom in the name of Jesus. And if we don't believe that, let's just go home. It's true. In fact, I'm reminded of the story of a woman who was caught in adultery. You remember this story? If you don't, let me tell you. This woman's caught in adultery. She's caught in the act. So these men grab this woman, drag her out onto the street, throw her in front of Jesus. This crowd forms around, and they're trying to trick Jesus. Okay? Trying to, trying to get him to, uh, to uh, so they could accuse him. And they said, according to the law of Moses, we should stone this woman. We should put her to death. And the Bible says, you know, Jesus didn't even acknowledge him. He just stoops down, and he writes in the sand. Odd thing to do, right? Writes in the sand. Long story short, he looks up at them and he says, You who are without sin, cast the first stone. And he goes back to writing in the sand. And one by one, they drop their stones, and they walk away. Nobody knows what he wrote in the sand that doesn't say in the Bible. Lots of people make conjecture. One 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 of the neatest ideas I've heard around what he was writing in the sand, at least I like to think of it this way, is that he was writing the sins of the accusers in the sand in front of them. That'd be so boss. I don't know if that's true or not, but man, that would be really cool. You see, Jesus came to set people free, He came to set you free. Thank you, Michael. I'm glad somebody's awake. This is way more exciting than you're letting on. And it could be that you're convicted. Here's the other thing. In my prayer every Sunday, that the Holy Spirit would convict you to the point that your life looks different when you leave here. Because what's the point otherwise? He came to minister to the poor. He came to heal the brokenhearted, minister to those in bondage. He came to give sight to the blind, which is interesting because... Uh, You remember in John 9 where uh, there was this huge debate. Well, Jesus, is this guy blind because of his sin or the sin of his parents? They thought if you were blind, it was a sin issue. But instead, Jesus comes to make the blind see. When Jesus, hear this, And if you're going to write anything down today, I want you to write this down. When Jesus looks at the world, he doesn't look with a lens of condemnation. He looks with a lens of redemption. He doesn't look... As he's stating his mission statement here, quoting from Isaiah, he doesn't quote about how he's going to judge, at least not this time around. He came to redeem. And herein lies why a lot of people go to church but can't be the church, because you default to judgment and not redemption. And you see the people around you with a heart. You always look at people around you with a harsher lens of judgment than you would your own self. We as people are always going to give ourselves the pass and be hard on everybody else. It's your nature. But that's not what Jesus came to do. Came to redeem people, reconcile people. We are supposed to be people of redemption, people of reconciliation. But instead, we've got our lenses tuned towards judgment. I I don't know. I could probably sit here for, I, I don't know how harsh to go here and how not harsh to go, but I can tell you this. I can tell you that people outside of the walls of the church think the church and Christians are the most judgmental people on the face of the earth. And it's because we have had more of a focus on judging people outside of here than redeeming them, reconciling them. There are people in your family that won't have anything to do with church because you're so judgmental. We're supposed to be different. We're supposed to be peculiar. If people want judgment, they can get plenty of it outside of here. But there is nowhere else. Hear me. There's nowhere else that you can find reconciliation but right here. It's right here. There's no redemption you can find anywhere else but right here. Oh, that God would change our lenses so we could see people through Jesus came to set at liberty them that were bruised and oppressed. This word, it's similar to brokenhearted, means totally devastated. Other translations say those who are oppressed. And the beautiful part here is is that Jesus comes to set right the wrongs. Set right the wrongs. Bring justice for those who have experienced injustice. There's a lot of injustice in this world. One of our comforts is knowing that Jesus is going to make it right. I'm confident in it. And then at the very end, he says, um, Jesus said, I have come to proclaim the acceptable year of our Lord. Now, most of the time when I was growing up, I would just roll over that text. I thought it meant something that it didn't. Um, Just thought it was words in a book. How many of you know that every word in here is meant for something? Some of us will read over that. I've come to proclaim the acceptable year of our Lord. This was actually in reference to the year of Jubilee. Did you know this? Educational moment. He was actually referencing the year of Jubilee when slaves were freed and all debt was forgiven. Jesus is saying the year of Jubilee will be fulfilled in him. If you're enslaved or in debt to sin, I've come that you might be free and have your debts paid. Don't go to church, be the church. Don't go to church, be the church. So what does that look like? What are you doing with your life? What's the mission? If if I was to get a one-week video roll of your life, uh uh-oh. If I was to get a one-week video roll of your life, and I had to summarize it with a mission statement, what would that mission statement be? Good news to the poor? Comforting the brokenhearted? Reconciling people? Proclaiming freedom? Some of you are going to leave here unconvicted today in your apathy. God help us. God help us that you're going to leave here and think that it's okay just to show up on Sunday morning and do nothing else with your life as far as God is concerned. So how do we do it? <laughs> <laughs> Spooky. <laughs> Stephanie's getting a real giggle out of this one today. (laughs) How do you do it? How can you and I see people the way that Jesus sees them? How do we do it? You ready? Five things. Number one, and we see it right here in the text. Jesus lived his life under the power of the Holy Spirit. If you are waiting for you to just be a good enough person for all this to happen, it will never happen. It is only by the power of the Holy Spirit indwelling us more and more, turning up the knob. That we're able to do this. This is how we're able to accomplish the mission. This is how Jesus accomplished the mission. He was full of the Holy Spirit. So many of us are just full of everything else. And I won't say what it is. You've got time to do what you want. Mm Mm-mm. You've got time to do all your recreation, drag your kids around. Look, I've got kids. I get it, so I'm guilty. I'm not condemning anybody here. There's no condemnation in Christ. I'm just telling you. Play your last week out in your mind and wonder what your mission statement looked like. I can promise you, if you were to fill your days With as much of Jesus as you do everything else, I guarantee your mission statement would look different. Because one thing the Spirit of God will do is push you out. It does. What happened at Pentecost? In Acts chapter 2, what happened? They were filled with the Spirit, and they immediately went outside and had a crusade. Thousands came to know Christ. The Spirit pushes you out. Number one, that's how we do it. The power of the Holy Spirit. Number two, Jesus lived his life under the influence of God's word. Where was Jesus pulling his mission statement? God's word. We have to do it by the power of the Holy Spirit. Band can go ahead and come back up. By the influence of God's word. Number three, Jesus' mission was people focused, people focused. Um, our natural bent is to be self-centered. It is. That's our natural bent, is to be self-centered and think about me and how I'm feeling and, and how it affects me. Uh, but Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, his, his mission was people focused for the ultimate goal of God glorification. Number four, Jesus' mission was an outward-focused mission. That means it happens outside of here. There's so much beautiful community that happens in these walls. Discipleship. Growing together in fellowship. (laughs) Oh, what the church would look like if it was that way outside the walls. Number five, Jesus' mission was a mercy and compassion-driven ministry. And here we come back to compassion. It seems to be a running theme, don't you think? And look, some of you are going to have to warm up those cold, heartless hands of yours. Let's say I don't want anything to do with anybody else. Let the young ones do it. Oh, I can't tell you how many times I've heard that. Ooh. Let the young let the young bucks get in there and do it. But God is still putting breath in your lungs. You know we need your help, young and not young, wise. We have to be people of compassion. Now, I've listed those things. We pulled those things from scripture. We've read the scripture for today. And I rarely ask this question. But I'm going to ask it today. What are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? You're just going to check the box today? Hey, went to Transformation Church this morning. Cool. Share it on Facebook. What are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? What we do with the word of the Lord matters. I said it in our huddle this morning. We huddle every morning and pray for you. Did you know that? We huddle every morning right back in the cafe and we pray for you. You know what I said this morning? It's been on my heart. That this day would not just be routine. What if, can you ask what if with me this morning? What if, every one of you, this applies to all of you. Okay, so some of you are like, this doesn't apply. This applies to you. took these words and we applied them to our life what would people see different in you? You know what they would see? Jesus the more I allow this word to bear its weight not on my some ethereal life my life today my life tomorrow morning, my life as a husband, my life as a father and as a pastor. Maybe for you, it's a grandfather or a grandmother, a co-worker, single mom, single dad. What would happen You actually took this thing as legit. I'll tell you, we would see God move in our midst in a way we have never seen. And if your pastor could be transparent with you for two seconds, that is my heart's desire. My heart's desire is to see God move in our midst in a way that is peculiar and bizarre. I want the people in our communities to see this church and say, what's going on? What's going on that's different? I wanna go home to my wife and my kids and they say day over day, year over year that I'm a different man because of this, because of his word that I'm a different pastor, that I'm a different man, that I'm a different human, not because of me, not because of anything I've done, but they would see Jesus in me. Oh, that he would just show himself through me. I spent so many days just thinking this was something for the weekend. And then I saw it work in my marriage. I spent so many days thinking that outreach was for somebody else, and then I show up at a hotel room and pray with someone who's never heard this good news, and they see Jesus. What would your mission statement look like today? And I'm afraid. I'm afraid. That many of us today would have a mission statement that says, Me, 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 and not Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I'm guilty. Can we lay it at the foot of the cross today? Can we lay it at the foot of the cross today? As they sing, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to come right here on this front row and I'm going to ask Jesus to be put on display in my life. That the compassion I exude doesn't look at people in their current circumstances, but looks at them through the lens of Christ. That I am not going to be a person of judgment, but I'm going to be a person of reconciliation and redemption. Not because I'm able to do it under my own power, but I'm able to do it under the power of the Holy Spirit. And because of the redemption and reconciliation He offered my soul when I was not worth it. With every head bowed and every eye closed today, Father, today, this moment, would you begin in us to work a peculiar type of work, a bizarre type of movement in our spirit, That we would leave here transformed and looking like something odd. That our compassion would grow deeper and farther. That we wouldn't be people of judgment. That we would extend the hand of reconciliation that you extended to us. To those around us. Help us, Father, today to be people of your word. Change the mission statement of our lives from me, 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 to Jesus, Jesus, and Jesus alone. Thanks for streaming this audio from Transformation Church RVA located in Richmond, Virginia. For more information, check out our website at www.transformationrva.com.